I told myself one year, it's a horrible idea and I hate it. I can always come back to another marketing job in New York. And I know that's always there. So I felt comfortable enough to really launch myself into this like vast unknown and really figure it out. Hey friend, it's David Dubinsky here in New York City. So excited for this podcast episode with Hannah Jung. Um, she's the founder of Reboot Experiences, where she offers in-person experiences and also has online coaching programs. Uh, I love this portfolio aspect of having different offerings. Hannah used to had a successful career in New York City, and then she left. And she talks about her journey from leaving there into now having to now the work that she does now. You'll also learn about how you can get started on launching an MVP of an online course, a small group, a small cohort, and so much more. As always, this episode with timestamp notes is available on my website at PortfolioCareerPodcast.com. There, you can also subscribe to my newsletter called One Email Away, which provides uh, projects and opportunities and ways to get to know a couple more people. So excited for you to build and grow your portfolio career. Here we go with Hannah. Hannah, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, David. Uh, well, I first want to say thanks for, you know, a lot of people talk about, oh, you should be intentional with who you're friends with and you should reach out to people, all these things that people say to do, uh, but you actually did that with me. And uh, so first I want to acknowledge you for that. Thanks. I always try to create connection in the most natural way possible, just like how you know, when we were kids, like on a playground, you want to like talk to someone, you just say hi. <laughs> and it's as simple as that. I think we overcomplicate it when we're adults, but it is that simple. Yeah. And here we are. So mm-hmm. one place I also want to start is uh, surfing. And uh, what do you love about surfing? Oh my gosh, so many things I can go on and on. But really, I think it's taught me so much about how to be not only like a better leader, but a better entrepreneur, because It has such a fun relationship to how you assess risk and like how you attack or not attack certain waves. And there's so many different variables and it's every single day you go out there, it could be a different scenario, even though it's the same break, you know, tides are shifting, who's in the water shifts, um, you know, what the wind is doing. There's all these variables, but the only constant is you. And that's so true about building a business and, you know, being a leader is like, yes, so many external circumstances can shift and change and like how you are able to quickly adapt and navigate and assess the situation quickly and move with it rather than against it is like 100% why I love surfing so much because it translates directly into how I show up as a leader. So keep going with that. How does that? Plus it's like super fun. I mean, for example, the water teaches me so much about patience. Like sometimes the waves aren't always coming. And even if I wanted an opportunity to come my way or a wave to come my way, I can't will it into existence. I just have to wait for nature to take its course. That's one lesson. Another lesson is sometimes you see a wave coming and you're like, oh my God, I'm super excited to catch it, but someone else is on the wave first. You know, the natural inclination is to still fight for it and like go for it anyway, um, because there's a scarcity mindset that like, another wave won't be coming right behind it, but it's not true. Like there's always going to be another wave, just like how there's always going to be another opportunity. And like the third most biggest lesson I've learned is like fear and how I tackle fear and how I condition myself to 
approach fear in a way that feels familiar and less scary and not so like removed. So how that translates in surfing is like, at first I thought, oh my gosh, if I, what if I fall and I get water up my nose and whatever, and it's going to be a horrible time for me. Yeah. Like, sure. Of course it happens. But if I see it as like, it's just part of the process. So there's nothing to fear. I will, I will, face plant. I will fall off my board. I might cut myself. I might get sand everywhere. Like it doesn't matter because that is how you progress. That's how you get good. So, you know, how that translates into the business world is like, I'm not afraid of just like throwing it out there, knowing that not everything's going to land. Not everything's going to be a perfect ride the first time. I'm going to like face plant <laughs> and, and look like a fool and embarrass myself in front of all the other expert surfers. But that's exactly like what it's like in the real world is to continue to play and have fun. And that, that's the root of it all. No matter all of the lessons that I've learned, every single day I go out there, I have a lot of fun. And if you're not having fun, like what's really the point? <laughs> you have to do it because you enjoy it. And did you, you know, when you were living in New York City and working kind of in the corporate world, did you feel like you weren't having fun then? You know, if I really ask myself, I probably wasn't having fun. I was having temporary illusions of fun to kind of offset. It was like a balancing act for me. It was like there was a deep... <laughs> deep level of anxiety and just kind of ignoring my greater intuition. And the only way to balance that, because I didn't have the tools at the time, the only way to balance that feeling of just like heaviness was to go the opposite way and using, you know, crutches, like over socializing, being hyper busy with my like projects or like, you know, dating a lot and like drinking a lot and just like everything in excess to try to balance the scales. But, you know, what I realized was it wasn't really me being happy. It was just me reacting to something so out of balance. And now when I look for things and happiness and joy and all these are just fleeting moments after all. And I think I, rather than going towards happiness, my goal now is to feel secure in myself. And that's really it. And, uh, you mentioned the tools. Can you maybe share a little bit more about what the tools are? And Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So like, you know, like probably most of your listeners, like growing up and like getting the nine to five job and reaching that good on paper success definitely gives you a certain amount of external validation and achievement. But at no point in your life, well, most people, I'm sure there are some lucky few who do have this opportunity, but most people don't have the opportunity to really practice internal tools. And that's what I meant by tools. And, and now how that looks in my real life now is the tool of understanding my own peaks and valleys, understanding the rhythm of my own life cycle, sleep cycle, energy cycle, listening to intuition, um, and being able to bring myself back to center. Those are the tools. And I use like a whole range. Like it matters only in like how I wake up and how I decide to live that day, depending on how I'm feeling, I will sometimes borrow from, okay, like today I'll do meditation and today, you know, I need to like get going and I feel super inspired. So then I'll do a bunch of work and I'll create some of my best work yet. Versus before, I didn't have the, those tools to be able to check in with myself at all. So I didn't really even know what I needed. So the easiest, most default way to function is to just do what I'm 
I guess, programmed to do. Like wake up at a certain time, get in the office at a certain time, eat lunch at a certain time, happy hour at a certain time. It was all so like predetermined. And now the tools that I have is to just sort of slow down and tune in to like what I actually need. And, you know, maybe perhaps now that everyone's starting to work from home and working remotely, they're, they're probably coming up on this challenge now. It's like, okay, so how do I self-regulate that's leaning into my own strengths? And part of that is to discover what those tools are for you and that make the most sense for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what, what was the, and give a little bit of context to listeners here, what was kind of the, because we are in this moment where there's a lot of uncertainty and, and stuff like that. When you decided to leave New York and how were you thinking about uh, your next steps? And, you know, it's easy or not easy. Um, you know, people can see re- reboot experiences and kind of where you are now, but there was that I got to get out of this situation to where you are now. So maybe kind of walk us through a little bit of the journey and yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And like to kind of go back to what you asked about for tools, it's like the tools that I have now is just a collection of all the tools I picked up along the way. And part of that came from this huge transition from the desk world to where I am now, there's actually a lot of micro steps that happened in between. I didn't just like suddenly wake up and like, ta-da, I'm like living in Nicaragua. Um, It was slow at first. And like what really kind of catapulted me into really shifting this was I tried to, I I started to get this feeling, like this inkling that like, this is not what I want to do. So it started showing up as like, well, maybe like if I work for the client side, I can shift it. You know, my background is in marketing. So I work for a marketing agency. And then I was like, well, what if I work clients? And maybe that will be different. And that didn't do it. And I'm like, well, maybe, maybe I'll do the same role, but for a startup, maybe that will do it. But I wasn't really like, I was just kind of toe dipping around and I wasn't really betting big on myself and I was scared. And it got to the point, my wake up moment was I was hospitalized from stress induced ulcers twice in one month because I was so disconnected from my own stress signals and my own body that I just ignored. I just thought it was just like my low level anxiety was just such a baseline that I couldn't even tell like if my body was like in fight or flight mode anymore because it was just so normal for me. It got to that extreme for me to actually stop and ask the question. And, you know, not only was that scary, it reminded me of a time when I was a child, my um, uncle he was 32 years old. He was a dentist and he also reached burnout, but in such an extreme way of ignoring his own body that it led to him being diagnosed with stomach cancer. And it was when he was around 32 and that was around the age that I had my sort of breakdown moment. And that was enough. That was like a red flag. No more. If I keep this going on the way I've been living, it will lead to death. Literally, it's a matter of Mm. life and death. And so I asked myself two questions is like, one is when was the last time I truly felt joy, like really happy. And I've realized that I've done a couple sailing trips with my friends and I just love being outdoors. It's like where I get my biggest lessons in life is through nature. And number two was like, what is the lesson that I'm supposed to learn? Like at that time I was getting these messages I mean, call it the universe or whatnot, but I was getting these messages through different channels. Like my friends were saying a variation of this. My boyfriend at the time was saying a variation of this. My parents, my work, everything was basically saying a variation of you gotta let go of your control. And like, it was really hard. As a perfectionist, I love to control the situation, 
but that's not how life works. And so clearly that was a message that I got from so many different sources. And even to the point where it put me in the hospital, I said, okay, well, sure. If I'm supposed to learn the lesson of releasing control, what experiment can I make for myself that I can combine both the joy that I've last time that I felt joy, combine the element of that with releasing control. So doing the opposite. And I went online and researched, you know, and chose to work on a super yacht. I'm like, what the heck? Like a lot of my friends were like, do you know people who work on boats? I'm like, no. And my parents were like, you're doing what now? And it was clearly a very alarming uh, moment for everyone around me. But for me, it was a calculated risk. The way I saw it was, okay, I'm going to do this one-year experiment because there's clearly a lesson that I'm not learning and I need to really break out of my routine and my programming to the extreme. I'm not saying everyone should do this, but I did it because I know that's just the way my brain works. And I told myself one year, it's a horrible idea and I hate it. I can always come back to another marketing job in New York. And I know that's always there. So I felt comfortable enough to really launch myself into this like vast unknown and really figure it out. And that led me to that like mini chapter in between, which was my yachting years. And that really opened up a new perspective of like, wow, like there's this whole niche industry that has so many technical needs that are not met. So that led me to start my first company called Crew Compass, which has since been sold and I've completely exited that, um, which was a staffing company or staffing technology for yacht captains and owners with qualified luxury crew members. So yeah, that was a, a need at the time, but it wasn't like my life passion. I knew that was an end game for me, but it was a good bridge to kind of explore what could building something while also simultaneously letting go of control look like. And that was a really fun moment in my life. But then of course I hit another inflection point with that because I deep down knew that that wasn't the end game. So I asked myself the same question is like, okay, like if I can cut and run from this before I even decide to sell it, if I can cut and run from this, what would I do? If I had the seed capital to start anything, what would it be? And I knew it was something that felt more of service because I don't really think, you know, helping the 1% like staff their super yachts was really in the highest service of mankind. So the moment I decided that this was the future of like what I wanted to do, which was to connect and elevate other leaders who also wanted to spread more light in this world. Like that is what I wanted to do. I just didn't know exactly what it would look like, but I led with this feeling. And so it was super easy for me to call in people to buy my company. So it was like, it was perfect. I sent out three cold emails to potential buyers. And I was like, you know what, if, it, if I'm meant to release this and start something new, I will find a buyer, even though I didn't know if there was even a need for someone to buy it. And one person came back to me who was the perfect fit. And within literally 24 hours, I was flying to Fort Lauderdale, had the meeting and within 48 hours, got the verbal agreement and three months got the paper signed. And I w it happened so quickly. Like there's no other way to explain it than this was the path that I needed to go on because without the yachting industry, like releasing my, separating me from my control and also the hospitality industry and marketing industry are similar in that you observe what people need and then deliver on it before they ask to surprise and delight them. And really that 
what the yachting industry taught me was to hone that marketing natural ability, but to another higher level. So you already put yourself into that service mindset. So by the time that reboot even came into fruition, I was so embedded in this service mentality that it was such a natural progression. It didn't feel like it was hard for me to jump from corporate to something of service because I was in that middle bridge in the yachting world to build up my skill of service. So does that give you? <laughs> yeah, and uh, no, it's us. It's it's really uh, it's really interesting. And, and now that you work with leaders, um, on a prior podcast episode, there was a, a conversation around like how to transition. And one of the ideas that I think was discussed in a little bit more detail there that really resonated was this idea of like if you are in service. Granted, you need to maybe have some skills, but it's a lot easier to show up somewhere and say, hey, I'm just here to help, as opposed to, hey, I'm trying to get a job. And I know my resume doesn't really reflect it, but I really want to do this. But if you just say, hey, I'm here to help. So I love the, how that that shift there. That's really interesting. Okay. So then, so walk me through a little bit of like how you decided to create some different offerings because you kind of have like a portfolio and obviously COVID has changed things, but you have a portfolio of offerings. And I think that that's gives diversity and stuff and compared to somebody that has a nine to five job and that's all they do. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is why I resonate the most with your podcast is because you come with the framework that diversity and diversifying your portfolio of skills is the way forward. And I've always believed that. And the way that I even build forward and create these different offerings is to lean into that diversity of my own personal background and all the skills that I've learned. So for example, I led with the mission that I want to elevate and connect these certain types of leaders who are just like really heart centered and really impact focused. Like they don't just want to make billions of dollars just for its sake. They don't want to build some company that actually adds zero value to the world. They really want to build something that will make a huge impact. And that was always a mission from the start. How it manifested, like you said, these portfolio of offerings look all sorts of different ways. So I was able to play around with my own portfolio of skills. So one way it showed up is like a dinner series. So I've done pop-up experiences and workshops in Bali and Lisbon and in, um, in Nicaragua and Mexico. But also it's looked like destination summits. So to the outside untrained eye, it looks like just a retreat, but it's really not. It was more of a container to ask a human question of connecting deeper to ourselves. So for example, the Bali retreat was all about understanding what does an awakened spirit look like for me. And then when I did a retreat in the Azores, it was about what is your true nature? Stripping, stripping away all of the external factors, your titles, your jobs, your history, your stories, what and who are you at your very center? And that was the question. And everything that I built around it was to support that questioning. And same with all of the other destinations. So it's more like using the act of the retreat as a mechanism to answer the deeper questions and connect them deeper to themselves so that they are able to empower others. And now since COVID happened, you know, this wanting to spread this message and spread this, like, I guess, another perspective, it's just natural that I was going to do it online anyway. I've, ha I've already had plans to do it. I just didn't think that I would have the time so soon. And despite what everything, everything has happened as COVID has like shut down so many things and shut down so many avenues. But I also believe that 
that's where the most creativity comes from is when all of these avenues, your lane gets more narrow, not too narrow, but more narrow so that you're forced to play within a certain box and get super creative. And that's why I created this eight weeks to supercharger evolution, which is a combination of the same ethos of like connection to yourself, connection to others is there, but it's more focused on the self first. So how I would compare this two different offering would be in-person retreats, for example, is more 70% of it is focused on connection to others. And you're really networking, connecting with like-minded people. And then 30% of it is like connecting to yourself and unlocking deeper parts of you. And then my online offering is more the opposite where we're starting with 70% and the bulk of it is like really, really diving deep into who are you? Like, what do you value? What do you fear? Where does this fear come from? Where do you think your values come from? And really doing like an audit of your life and ending up with a very clear manual, like this, basically the eight weeks will end up being like an eight chapter book for you to say, oh, this is a blueprint of who I am now. And then 30% of that online program is about connecting with others through the online calls on a weekly basis. So I like it because they're both complementary, like the whole suite of offerings. It plays on many different facets of how we learn as a human. We don't just learn one way. You know, sometimes it's through art and creativity. Sometimes it's through adventure. Sometimes it is through lectures. Sometimes, you know, every brain, every person processes information in such a unique way that I, I like to throw every sort of angle at it so that even if it's not the way you normally think about it, I'll quote unquote force them to see it through a different way in order for them to see another area of themselves that they've probably been ignoring this, this entire time. And what would you say to the, like, the, to the person that wants to start an online offering, you know, that's just getting started? How would you advise somebody that wants to start a, you know, a four-week program or something like that? Oh, I love this question so much. This is like my bread and butter. Like I specialize in especially these like moments when they're like just wanting to start something. I'd say like first and foremost, figure out who you're trying to serve. What is the purpose? It's, it can't be a place of vanity or it can't be anything rooted in the external world because that's just a short-term game. For a long-term like true fulfillment, you have to lead from what the heck am I trying to say to the world? Like, what would I say to a younger me? Or what would I say to someone who is me like 20 years ago, 10 years ago? And like, what do I wish that I had more of? And that will help spark some ideas of like what you can offer specifically to the world. And when they're thinking about, okay, like what do I want to offer? And like, they want to do an online course, for example, the really simple thing is first of all, defining an avatar of who you want to help. And that avatar is basically a version of you, perhaps a younger version of you. The second step would be to identify what is this person really struggling with? Like what was you 10, 15 years ago, like struggling with and make it real, you know, really like just say, Oh man, I was struggling with self-confidence. I was struggling with, you know, imposter syndrome. I was struggling with like not believing in myself. I was really struggling with this and this and this and just like writing it all down. And then the third step is to say, okay, now you as you today have this avatar person, this younger self, or this real or imagined person that could very well be a real person and say, how can I serve 
let's just make up a name like Jennifer. You know? I'm like, how can I help Jennifer? She's a 28 year old corporate girl and she's really struggling with finding the balance between wellness and her nine to five. She's afraid to start her own thing, even though her heart is like really wanting to share. She just doesn't even know where to begin. So she's feeling very frustrated. So that's, you create this like image of a person that seems so real that you can actually talk to her. So the third step, when I said like offer advice, it's like, okay, write down all of the things that you would say to Jennifer to help her feel less blank, 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 whatever she's struggling with and say, okay, like if you're struggling with confidence, let's work on that. Let's tell me what specifically are you not feeling confident about? Oh, public speaking. Okay, let's design some ways to like work with that. This is how I overcame it. Let's do that. Or like, oh, I'm struggling with imposter syndrome. Oh, great. I know how to do that because if that's a younger version of me, I'm like, oh, I've been there. Like, I know exactly how to do that. This is what you do. And so in looking at that third point after going through number one, number two of defining who you're trying to help, what they're struggling with, the third point is actually that is a very rough sketch of what you could teach somebody, which really is a formal way of giving advice that's going to be a bit more structured. So yeah, I'd say start with service and who you want to help. And then what kind of advice would you give them? If you can literally, if they were like, can I move in with you and help me solve this problem? I'm like, great, let's do it. And this is what I'm going to take you through. It flows much more naturally when you can make it seem like a one-to-one -one communication. I think some, so many entrepreneurs and people who want to start like an online program think so big. They're like, I want to help everybody or I want to help so many people. It just seems too vague for it to feel very tangible. So it helps to bring it closer. It helps to bring it into a single person. So whenever you show up on social media or create something, create it always with that one person in mind and everyone else who benefit, like fringe benefit from that, it will still help them. But if you get super laser targeted on who you're trying to help, everything else just sort of starts to click into the place. I love this. The one person, just like I kind of, you know, the one email away. Yeah, exactly. So you also, so you have the group coaching. What, what are some things that, uh, some surprises that you've heard from some of your clients in terms of, you know, what they're dealing with? Yeah. So one coaching, I mean, we can go on forever to <laughs> unpack all of that, all the, all the amazing learnings that I'm seeing, but one coaching learning that I can share with you that actually shocks people the most when they start is I start at the very foundational level. Let's look at your values. And it actually comes from a dissonance between who we think we are and who we actually are. And where that comes from is there's this thing um, where we have a perception of us that's not just how we perceive ourselves. It includes how others perceive of us, which is this psychological phenomenon that we build our life not only just in accordance to us, but how we make others feel and how that makes us feel. So I know that sounds really strange, but if you think of it that way, your whole life could be built on a false sense of values that are really not purely you. It's based on your reaction to other people's reaction to you. So in psychology, they talk about this. It's called, oh yes, it's called meta perception. Sorry about that. So yeah, it's called meta perception where it's a combination of how you think of yourself and how uh, you think others perceive you. 
So if you combine those two, then it can get a little muddy. So you may think like, oh, I value achievement. I value this. I value that. So they build a life according to these false sense of values. And it never feels quite right because you're not divesting it from how other, how you would like others to perceive you. You're ignoring the core part of it, which is how you want to perceive yourself, how you genuinely see yourself. The biggest aha moment for a lot of people is when they realize what they think their values are versus actually truly seeing themselves for who they are today is like the biggest aha moment because they're like, oh my gosh, this is why I felt like so guilty for not doing this or this or this because you know, their old perception of themselves that thinking like, oh, I value achievement. So when there's an opportunity for more achievement and they don't go for it, it confuses them because it's built on this old model of like, okay, always built on these set of values, but that model is broken to begin with. It, it functions for a time, which is why a lot of people get to a certain amount of achievement, but sooner or later that model starts to break down. And it breaks down because your subconscious like inner guidance system starts like flaring up and waking up and causing all sorts of alarm bells and being like, this feels wrong. And it starts at, off as like, it feels kind of wrong to like, it feels really wrong until it gets so loud that you're feeling this moment of like, I got to make a change. And like that's that feeling, that uncomfortable feeling is really just the separation between you building a life thinking you know what you're actually doing or where you're actually going when really you don't know your guidance system at all. It's like this whole time you've been following a map that somebody else plugged in the coordinates. So of course, like deep down inside, you're like, yeah, I can go on the journey, but every single five minutes, you're going to pull over and look at the map and be like, is this really the right way? And it will only stop that feeling, that uncomfortable nagging feeling will only stop if you actually take control of that situation and start plugging in the coordinates yourself. And that is the biggest aha moment. And that's the biggest learning is like people this entire time in like, you know, 20, 30 years of existence, they realize, oh my God, I've actually not been the one to plug in that destination at all. Like I thought my values were X, Y, and Z, but really they're A, B, and C. And yeah. And, and to lead from that place, it kind of relieves so much stress. It's like they can unload their baggage of like, oh my God, I was feeling so shitty about myself because I know exactly how to do this. But for some reason, I was resisting it. I was like procrastinating. It's because it wasn't aligned to their real values. It's not their motivation, truly. And so when they actually are able to clearly put a word to it and list their top three real values, they're like, oh, this is why I was choosing this versus this. Even though logically speaking, this should have been, quote unquote, should have been the better option for me, but I wanted to go this way. It's because what you wanted to do is actually more aligned with your values than the shoulds is really aligned with this old model, old programming, the, you know, the, the meta perception of you. So, yeah, I mean, really it's, it starts there. And then once you get that foundation, right, of actually seeing what your true values are, you can actually start building something real for yourself. Like you may think that you've been valuing achievement, but really you value deep human connection. So then your North star starts to drastically shift. So every single thing that you look for in your future or anything, any dream that you have for yourself and integrating all of those really important values will start to feel way more aligned with who you are. And it'll feel good, not only in your mind, but it'll start to feel good in your body. You won't feel that like, Oh, that like tension, like that dread, you, that, that kind of dread will sort of lift away like a fog. Beautiful. Okay. 
well, people are putting in the coordinates into their own, putting their own coordinates into their GPS right now. Um, so I would like to let them go do that as well. Um, but please let listeners know how they can follow up and support. And yeah, if there's anything else that you, as people are going on, you know, on their, you know, entering in their own little GPS, uh, if there's anything else that you think that we missed, uh, please let us know. But yeah. Yeah, I'd say my final comment in this journey forever in this life, I'd say your greatest teacher and your greatest wisdom will not come from external sources. It'll always come from you. So when in doubt, always spend more time with yourself and your thoughts versus consuming more external permission, I guess. So that's my final comment. And if you're curious to learn more about my work, um, you can check me out at rebootexperiences.com or on Instagram at rebootexperiences or my personal handle is the Hannah Jung, H-A-N-A-J-U-N-G. Awesome. Thank you so much, Hannah. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Hey friend, thanks again for tuning in to another episode of Portfolio Career Podcast. Wanted to also let you know about my monthly newsletter called One Email Away, where I fundamentally believe that we are all one email away from new opportunities. And if there's a way that I could potentially help you to connect with other people, I would love to do that. So one email away, um, you can sign up for my newsletter on my website at PortfolioCareerPodcast.com. You can also see the one email away section, but just want to take this moment to say thank you for, for listening to this episode. Really excited for us to build and grow our portfolio careers together.